0: That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Now back to the good part.
1: Three Corner Podcast with my partner, Brian Siegler. I'm Curtis Wilson. Brian, you surprised me a couple minutes ago, big guy.
0: Yeah, buddy. Uh, as, as you all know, everybody out there, this is a uh, offensive lineman podcast uh, unofficially. Um, so what better way to kind of you know bring that home than to have the Hokies offensive line coach, Joe Rudolph, on with us. And we're not going to hesitate. We're going to go ahead and bring him on.
2: Hey Coach, how you doing tonight? Doing great. Brian Curtis, how you doing?
0: We're
1: doing, we're doing good, Coach Rudolph. Um, it's a pleasure to have you. We thought we weren't going to have you this week. We hadn't heard back from Travis, but I mean, it was a, it was an absolute, a, a pleasant surprise when I when I clicked on the button about ten <laughs> minutes ago, and there's Brian and Coach Rudolph, and I'm like,
0: oh shit, it's Coach Rudolph,
1: <laughs> we got him. Um. Uh, how are you doing this evening? Obviously, I see Dwayne Brown over your uh, left shoulder there, so I'm a, I'm assuming you're at the at Merriman still.
2: Yeah, no question. That that time of year, just kind of grinding and trying to uh, put everything we can together to be at our best.
0: Well,
1: we we appreciate you taking out your time tonight to speak with us and to speak here with Okey Nation and. You know, we'll try to make it short and quick so you can get back to doing what you do. So uh, I'll let Brian lead off with this one because I'm obviously big man here playing O line in college. I know this is a treat for you, Brian.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, let's start there because uh, my my offensive line coach in college was actually uh, Keith Goon Conlin, played at Penn State in the early '90s uh, under Joe Pa. Um, I know you were about the same time frame there at Wisconsin. Um, what was it like playing during that era?
2: Oh, I think it was. Uh, I had a blast playing the game. I mean, I uh, th- I played my first year at linebacker, and then I, I think they. Well, I didn't. I don't think they told me that my summer goal was to come back as the biggest linebacker in the Big Ten. So I thought I might be moving positions, and um, I just embraced it, and I uh, I loved it, man. I, and I love knocking the snot out of linebackers because. I wasn't playing it anymore. And so it was it was a position that fit me great. I had a great offensive line coach, Bill Callahan. And it's just a great time to play. I played with an awesome group of guys, still friends to this day. And and um something about something about being an offensive lineman and being part of a line. It's pretty special and a pretty special game.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit as far as the relationship, because I know um when we had we actually had Keith on back uh during the offseason just after um Coach Pry had been uh, hired by the Hokies before I think you would come on at that point. Um, and he, and he kind of talked about obviously being a, a Penn state guy. He's a, he's a radio guy up there in, uh, in happy Valley now. So he had a lot of interactions with coach Pry. What was that relationship and what was kind of the, the dynamic that brought you to Blacksburg?
2: Well, um, I, I, it was, it was a number of things that kind of just kind of fell into place. One, one being, you um, the people, people that I knew through recruiting they would always talk about Coach Pry and talk about what a great person he is because recruiting goes both ways sometimes right sometimes sometimes you work your tail off and and the young man and family feels like you're the best place for him, and sometimes it's another place and but if they'll tell you how much they respect that person afterwards then then you kind of get a little glimpse into who they really are, uh, you know even when circumstances don't maybe fall their way, and then just competing against them I always Love the way his his guys competed um, I thought they were I thought they understood that they were sound I, I thought they understood not only assignment but they played together and they played with a competitive mindset and then Blacksburg, I came here once when I was coaching a Pitt and I'll never forget it it was it was so loud uh, you, you couldn't hear yourself think on the sideline, and it was I'm like, man, these people love it. I mean they love this place, and these kids that were playing in front of them you you could just feel the energy here. And uh, you know, it was always a place that kind of, kind of stuck with me, and and just it. it's been awesome. I've been very grateful for the opportunity to be here, and I'm having a blast. Well,
1: we're grateful you're here, Coach. And it's it's funny I hear the name Bill Callahan, and and I'm correlating. That's the same Bill Callahan that's been in the NFL the last 20 years, right?
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> Bill was our offensive line coach when we were at Wisconsin, and great coach, great technician. Um, you know, just just a great guy to to learn under, and you know you not only learned how to play the game, but you learned how to become a line. You learned all the steps that it takes, and and um, I, that's that's always stuck with me.
1: Yeah, and it is it is something you know we we've heard Coach Pride mention you're talking about the gelling, but let's ask this um, little schematic here. We're going our, the old staff. We ran a primary zone based scheme, and now with yours, and this is Brian telling me, so if it's wrong, tell him he's wrong. Running a little bit more gap, a little bit more power scheme. What are the challenges when you have to make a change like that? And I know you've been doing this for, you know, close to 15 years as an O-line coach. What are the challenges in changing? And you went you went from Wisconsin pit back to Wisconsin now here. So this is the fourth time, you third time you've done it. What are those challenges?
2: Um, I think there's always challenges when you – when you come in anew, you know, there's, there's challenges, not only from schematics, but there's, there's challenges with relationships. There's challenges with not only relationships you have with the guys, but the guys have with each other. And I think it's, I think they're just steps that you have to go through and take. And, you know, I I think in doing it, the one thing you got to be is you got to be honest and you got to be consistent, you know, like, um, if something's good, you're gonna say it's good, and if it isn't, then you're gonna work on it to close the gap to get it that way. And when I look at schematics, because I know that was part of the question, the thing I always look at, you know, you, you 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 watch and you judge each play, and you say, okay, if we do everything that we need to do, can this truly be successful or not successful? And and then you kind of you kind of map out. You want to get rid of all those plays that that. You know you're going to struggle with regardless if the guys are on cue. You want to, you want to eliminate them in every way, shape, or form. How do you do it? Well, maybe it's not the formation to run that out of. Maybe it's maybe it doesn't fit your guys. You know, and then that's that that's part of what you go through when you when you're coming into that group. You want to you want to find something you can really hang your hat on, but yet it's a it's a battle to get there.
0: Yeah, and and I think you know what you're talking about is kind of finding that that bread and butter th- that that you're working with. And I know you know you've been talking about you know some of the the line hasn't fully gelled yet, and you're kind of waiting to see see that happen. Um, you know, and, and we've seen some uneven results so far. You know, what are the steps that are still needed? You feel to kind of get this where you where you feel comfortable um, from a running
2: game perspective? Well, it's like it's like you say the running game. It's it's kind of like running game protections. It, it's it's eleven guys playing, you know, and and there are times where you where you feel like something's maybe blocked up great, but maybe the timing from the from the backfield to the line of scrimmage isn't what you want. And then sometimes, boy, all those things are set up, and man, you needed that one last fit by a by a tight end or a, or a wide receiver. And then, you know, sometimes you're like, man, we. we you know, we got to get our feet across the line of scrimmage as an O-lineman in order to give this guy a chance to get the ball down so he can make his cuts on those sides of the line of scrimmage. So it's really all those things coming together. And when those things come together, it's it's beautiful. It's, it's consistency. And that's, that's what you fight for. It's, it's not about what you can do well. It's about what you can do well consistently. And um and that's that's the grind you're in, man. And that's that's a grind day in and day out, week in and week out. And that's the grind we're in this season. So I do feel like we keep closing the gap on that, but we it, it's our fight right now. And and it's a cool one. Like these kids work. Um, I like who they are. I like who they are, uh, and how they take care of each other off the field. Like they they care about this place and they care about each other. And then working my tail off to try to help them to be at their best in the moment. And, um, and you know, I, I, I like that about them. I, I, I'm I grateful for working with them. I, I do. I, I enjoy them, and I think we'll continue to close the gap on those things. All right. I know you can't pay, play
1: favorites here, but of the of your starting five right now, when you first got to campus, who was the one that sort of jumped on paper as, you know, that's my leader. That's the guy that's going to hold this group together. Um. And help us make take those
2: strides. And you've got things up there. Yeah, it's interesting you ask that because you know the the thing I probably got told more than anything was most of the guys that had done a lot weren't going to be here anymore. And um, and yet there were a lot of guys that you know, one way, shape, or form, had experience. You know, like they had played a little bit of ball. And um, you know, I was intrigued about Silas you know, and, and seeing him and meeting him and then kind of, you know, thinking like, can we put this all together with him? And, and then, and then, you know, Johnny Jordan, you know, as a, as a guy that is, has been at multiple places and, and, you know, his, his, um, you know, he's like, Johnny's will be, Johnny will turn 32. In, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you know, and then, you know, you got Parker and Caden that played a lot of ball. So, you know, and, and you know, I knew I was gonna have some leadership talking to Silas. Like uh, I could feel that. And I knew and I and he just he wanted to be that for the group. And and Johnny, you know, he's he's our communicator up front and the guys trust him and he knows things inside and out and he puts in the extra work to make sure he does and and um you know and you know I, I, I knew I would have some leadership out of those guys and I have.
0: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the two I think we had kind of keyed in on before the start of the season so I'm glad that that's that's kind of how it worked out there and behind the scenes um and, and you talked about Johnny with communication I know that communication is such a big and important part of playing offensive line and 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 being able to to do those things as a unit um how is that coming so far um kind of across the board with Johnny kind of leading the way there? I think it's
2: been i think it's been pretty darn good you know it it hasn't been things where where you've been off from the standpoint of assignment wise. I think, you know, every once in a while, you know, your technique will show up being off and how does your technique show up being off? I, I tell the guys, it starts with their eyes, right? If your eyes are in the wrong place, it it doesn't matter where the, what the rest of you is doing. You're, you're kind of subject to having problems. So that eye discipline is, is huge. And, um, you know, sometimes we get the right call. We got all that, but we let our eyes kind of wander. And then and then you can create issues, not only for you, but for for the guy next to you if your eyes need to be there. But I, I think the communication from Johnny's been really good. I think the guys get it. Sometimes you, you, you get a look or two that, you know, you, you might hope they'd be a little bit more confident with, but um, but you're learning. And, and, and it's not that nobody wants to do it. You just got to keep closing the gap of being doing it in the moment. And taking being able to do it to to being able to do it consistently.
1: All right, I'm gonna am gonna go something Coach Price said a couple of times, and I'm sure you're seeing it when he talks about guys pressing. Is is that the thing with the eyes? Is that what you feel, or is it even or is it even more where when guys press? You know, Brian Brian's mentioned it to me when he played. There were times he pressed and he'd lose his technique. Is it, yeah. it, 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 How do you coach the the guys to say? Listen, you've got to trust what you're doing. Trust your eyes, trust your legs, and don't press it. How, how tough is that to coach? Um, with what, what, your first year with the group?
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I chuckle when you say that because those are the exact words I say out of my <laughs> mouth a lot about <laughs> trusting your eyes. But Coach Pry, you know, the, the one thing about him is when when he speaks to that group, I always think he, he puts his thumb right on the heart of what needs to be said. and um, And – I've, I've, I've really enjoyed that. You know, you know, when someone's saying exactly what you're thinking and you're like, man, that, that needs to be said right there. And so I know, I know these kids are are hanging on every word with that because he's, he's right in the moment with them. Um, When I think you're pressing, I think you're playing the game, thinking about yourself. You're thinking about not messing up. You're thinking about, um, you know, am I going to do this right? And when you flip the script is when you play the game for the guys around you, when you want to do your job great, because man, this is going to be a, a great run right here for, uh, for, for Keyshawn, or this is going to be, man, if I do this, I'm really going to help Gallo with the combo, man. If I come off, you know, and I, and I put my helmet right here, man, this going to make a much easier block for Jesse. You, you know, like if each guy plays in a way where you're playing for each other, you're spending a lot less time thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about doing things wrong. You're thinking about being great for the guys around you. And that's where I try to tell them, man, you guys got a great off-the-field culture. You care about each other so much. Bring that off-the-field culture right to the field. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't worry about yourself. Care about each other more than that. And that'll help you stay in the moment. And that'll help you overcome pressing. That'll help you overcome anxiety or being nervous. Stay in the moment, let it go, execute. Do it for those guys around you. Love that, yeah,
0: for sure. And you know, you talked about the veterans in this group. Let, let's flip it a little bit and talk about some of the young young guys uh, on that line. We got you know Xavier Chaplin that's come in um, this fall. Uh, you know, Brilliant. Braylon made the position switch. Uh, kind of late in the spring, and then we've had uh, Jack Hollyfield holding it down there, um, kind of center and guard uh, a little bit during the spring there as well. When you were bang- guys were banged up a little bit, um, how how has it been with those guys? And are we looking at any point to kind of get some of those guys um, some extra snaps during the during the games? I know we saw Braylon uh, a little bit um, against uh, I think it was UNC uh, in. And maybe a game before that as well, but are are, are we? Yeah, we we played him. We played him in one game against
2: West Virginia. The plan was to play a little bit more in that game. We tried to sneak him in as a tight end, and uh, thought he would make a difference. They had some, they had some size on their defensive ends, and thought he would, he could be a good matchup. Um, Didn't get a lot of playing time in that one, but got a little bit. I'd be happy to talk about those guys. Braylon, for one, I think has got an incredible future. You know, he, he keeps pressing; he's right there. From the standpoint of, you, you know, getting him on the field more, and um, you know he's had a few setbacks with with uh, with with injuries that have that have just held him away from making that step. But I, I think he's going to have an awesome future. He's super twitchy. I think he's got the ability to play center and guard. He's explosive. He's learning it. You know, he's learning it on the on the run, having just kind of been part of it in camp, but. Um, I couldn't be more excited about him, uh, Xavier Chaplin. You know, um, just a mountain of a man. But every day he surprises you by how much he absorbs, how much he understands. He's got a, he's got a kind of a unique, kind of I- intuitive sense of humor. And um, man, I think the sky's the limit. You know, he's, he's young, but uh, but I, I can't remember traveling the true freshman for you know, I think maybe one time, I think there was a true freshman. I traveled at Wisconsin. So to be traveling Xavier and Braylon and traveling John, Johnny Garrett at times traveling Brody Meadows at times. I mean, that's, that's pretty much been unheard of in, in, in my experience. So um, I'm excited for that. I think, I think those guys are worthy of it. And I think those guys will push and, have the opportunity to make big impacts here. And I could definitely see Xavier Braylon um, getting on the field and playing a little bit and, and just go, going in the next year with a little more experience.
1: Awesome to hear that coach. Appreciate the, the little background there on those young guys. Before we wrap up tonight and let you get back to what you're doing there in Merriman, you know, ever since you've come to Blacksburg, what's kind of your food spot down there? Where, where, what's the spot you hit up, you know, Late night like this, you're in the office. Who are you calling to say, "Grab me some food and bring it in"?
2: <laughs> well, Co- Coach Quinn is like the aficionado of uh, <laughs> of, uh, of, uh, of all food eateries, and he let me tell you this: he takes great enjoyment in in holding that title, and he is very much in the moment when he is in any establishment. So he has kind of <laughs> taken me all over. Blacksburg to like a whole bunch of places i probably never would have gone to myself and it's been awesome man like there is some great food and there are some great people in this town and we we've we've enjoyed it man and and uh my family they are uh when we because i was here for a little bit before they got here they had finished uh my boys finished baseball back in um back in wisconsin and then they came out right before school started so, like taking them after that to a few of the places, whether it was, you know, whether it was greens or lefties or where, wherever, like we, we, McAdoos, like we would be all over and making stops. So, I, I like kind of changing it up a little bit. And, and, um, it's kind of neat showing them around after kind of Sean showed me around a little bit. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we actually, we, we, we weren't, we are were not, uh, Virginia Tech grads. We actually, I played at Hamden city division three. Um, but we spent any time that we could in Blacksburg. So we, we are well-versed in the, uh, in the food options there. We're, we, you know, we're up there all the time. So it's, it's awesome to hear that, that you're kind of immersing yourself in that, that culture
2: as well. Uh, no, it's been good. I've made my stomps everywhere. and back and, Probably PKs probably gets the most action out of everything, so it's all pretty good. Love it. Love
0: Got to get the cheetah wings in, right? Got
2: to get the cheetah. Okay. On, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 coach, well, I, I want to say bro. a big thank you for jumping on with us. Um, it's it's been a good time, and I and the insight to kind of what's going on, you know, with the offensive line specifically, I think has been good, and I think good for the listeners to kind of kind of pick up on. So we, we appreciate your time.
2: Absolutely. It's been my pleasure, man. I, I appreciate you guys and yeah, I know we got a great fan base and they care about this program. They care about these kids and that that makes it fun. Because, you know, when you come out in that stadium and you feel that, that's that's why you, that that's what reinforces all the work you put in. So we're going to grind and we're going to keep grinding and we're we're going to get there.
1: Awesome. Coach again, we appreciate you taking the time. We know how busy you are. We look forward we, we, we thank you for coming on the light and we look forward to having you off maybe sometime in the off season and, and Brian, and you can just sit down there and break down OL tape. And I'll just sit here, shut up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of yourself, coach Rudolph.
2: I appreciate, appreciate it. Coach, you you good night.
0: That.
1: Well, that was a surprise. <laughs> it's,
0: it's, it's always fun to get the, uh, the, the last minute thumbs up. <laughs> oh, last minute. Well, I, I
1: texted Brian at like, what, six? And Brian was like, yeah, I hadn't heard back from Travis. And we were like, oh, it's okay. It's a busy week. We know these guys are busy. And about five minutes before we go on, I'm running a little late tonight. I jump in and there's Brian. And they're always like, holy shit. <laughs>
0: we got him. Well, I was on and I was about to let you know that 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 we got him. And then he was on and I was I was talking to him while I was waiting for you to get on. So, um, yeah, we, we really appreciate uh, coach, taking the time with us—that was uh, that was awesome. Getting getting some insight into what what's kind of going on behind the scenes there with the offensive line, and yep. get a little more you know input from from the staff there. Since we had uh, you know Keontae Jenkins on last week, getting the players' perspective, getting a little bit of the coach perspective this week.
1: Absolutely, man. And now you know we've got we got we're twenty five minutes into the episode. We've got a ton more to unload. Yep, that's right. It is awesome to hear. From him, and what a guy he was! We were shooting the, we shot the breeze about 15 minutes before we, you know, we, jumped, we literally pressed the button literally at the last possible minute before we could go. And um, for our, for our folks, if, if any of our hometown folks in South Boston listening, we were explaining late mo- South Boston Speedway late model stock car racing, sitting on the backstretch on a tailgate eating a bologna burger,
0: bologna so burger in hand.
1: If, if you if you see a guy decked out in Virginia Tech gear. And he asked for a beer and a bologna burger. It could potentially be Coach Joe Rudolph this summer because we told him it's the perfect time to go down.
0: We we, we pointed him in the right direction.
1: We, we're getting him in the right direction. Yeah, I mean he,
0: he's he's working that kind of that kind of side area. Yeah. Uh, with recruiting, it's in his region. So, it's yeah. in his region. So, he mentioned
1: he <laughs> said that was the uh, of his region. That is his southernmost point is Halifax.
0: Yeah, he he he, he's, he said he was checking out the website before he got on. He was like, "So you guys are from Halifax County?" He's like, "Yeah, I've been down in that area." Uh, you know recruiting. I was like all right look look l- yes connection there I like that sir
1: yes sir all right Brian well that was awesome because to hu to to Rudolph but we've got to put a game in the books we've got to talk about some stuff and we've got to preview some stuff so you know let's let's go into it um let's talk about the UNC game you know Hokies fall 4110 um I'll say this the opening of the game was good um those first two drives went pretty well we stopped them you know. They got a first down. We stop them. We take the opening drive. Go down. Score three. And then you know, like so many elements of getting things right and things being fixed, and you know the flaws showed. And at the in the post game press conference, and much like Coach Pry and now last week talking with Kianta, this week talking with Coach Rudolph, I, I'm not hearing a lot of sugarcoating on things. They're they're no. being they're being honest and and. Coach Price said it that, you know, we're probably going to start playing freshmen because of depth and for an evaluation process. And I don't think that shocks me or you.
0: No, it doesn't shock me at all. Um, You know, we've kind of, you know, flirted with it, I think, after West Virginia, uh, some of the discussions we were having last week. You know, is is this the time? Is this the time? And, you know, I I think at some point you're going to have to see what the young guys have if if you're noticing – You know, number one, you're obviously having some depth concerns. Number two, if there's still inconsistency with the play of your veterans, Um, you know, you still want to, at that point, if you're getting inconsistent play from your veterans, then let's see what the young guys can do. See if they give you a little bit more upside, you know, despite probably there being some growing pains with them playing with that process.
1: Absolutely, and, and that's what we're going to kind of talk about here tonight is to kind of look at a number of rooms, but I'm going to start with the quarterback room. And, you know, you know, Grant Wells, you know, I mean, it wasn't a terrible game by any means, but it wasn't the game that you're going to need playing um, UNC. You know, that's
0: – Yeah, and, mean, and the thing I've kind of said, the thing that I've looked at with Wells is that he does enough things okay – but yeah. he he's still he's still at the point where he's leaving yards on the field, and you know I get it with some of the deep balls. A deep ball is not the easiest play to make, but so, some of the the more short to intermediate routes, either either locking onto your primary for too long and not getting to the secondary that's open, um, you know missing guys that are open and you know against unC he didn't get a lot of help there there was several drops drops yeah uh, and, and and things that you know contributed to um you know the the day that wells put out there but um i'll say this he's not elevating the play of the guys around him yeah so you know does that mean it's time to pull a guy i don't know um i, I think i'm at the point where I don't know if Wells is the answer for the next three years like we thought he might be. Yeah. Uh, we're not seeing the progressions. You know, the progression um as the season yeah. goes along. And we'll see if he gets there, if he continues down the line. But I think I'd like to see a little bit more brown a- against Pitt just to see what we have, see if the command of the offense is different, see if that kind of gives some other guys at other positions a spark. Uh, okay. as we kind of head into the middle part of this season. Yep. Um, what what are your thoughts, man?
1: Well, I'm almost to a point where we talked about playing the younger guys, right? I almost think it needs to be a cascade effect. I think you've got to try playing some younger guys. You know, Coach Rudolph mentioned Chaplin. They really want to get Chaplin and Braylon some more time to play, and we've got Braylon in one game. But that cascade effect of what if you start – what if the run game gets a little bit better? What if some of the younger receivers get a little more up, start making bigger plays? You get Malachi Thomas back potentially. So to me, I think it's like this, this time frame we're in between Pitt and NC State make some other changes. And if I say NC State, Grant hasn't changed his level of play, then those last four games, let Jason Brown play let Blaison Brown play, It's wasn't it going to hurt. We're likely going to be looking for another portal quarterback, um, which I know is something we probably didn't want to do, but you've you got to move on. And um, we're going to talk about the portal in a little while here. But, you know.
0: Yeah, we're, I, I, we're definitely know still v- in not- an evaluation period at this point where we're trying to see what we have. And I think part of that is not just, okay, well, we're evaluating Grant. We obviously know that, but. It's hard when Grant's struggling to also evaluate some of the other guys. Mm-hmm. You know, potentially Brown might be a stabilizing factor in that. Maybe. I don't think he I don't think he has the upside that, that Grant does. No. Full, I mean, full stop. And I said that in the offseason. You said that in the beginning, yeah. I mean, w- w- we kind of know that there are limitations with putting Brown in there, but would he help us more in some of the things where Grant is deficient right now. Th- that's the question we don't really could, have an answer to yet.
1: Could could he maximize other areas of the field and other parts of the offense that help those guys improve? And we don't know until he actually plays significant reps, which is going to be interesting to see how it goes with the last seven games. Now, something I'm really glad we had Coach Rudolph on, and this is our second talking point, um, you know, the offensive line, it wasn't, You know, wasn't hit on all cylinders, and you know, Coach Rudolph talked about guys pressing the eyes. You know, if your your eyes are moving and things like that. You know, we were under three a carry against a UNC defense that had not been very good, and we talk about, um, we talk about is it time to let the young guys come in and play? And you know, he and luckily he kind of said it for us and. Brian, do you think it is time for those two young guys that he's mentioned, you know, Braylon Moore and Xavier Chapman, is it time to give them some run just to see if it can create potentially a spark on the offensive line?
0: I think so, um, it, it, at least in some sort of capacity. I don't know if you necessarily roll them out as the starters and and give them the, the full game, um, but I think it'll be good to get them in at least for a handful of series each Um, potentially started this week with Pitt. That'll, that'll kind of be a trial by fire, which we're going to talk about in a little bit Uh in terms of what they do up front. But uh, you know, as we keep moving forward, I think it's going to be important to, to get those guys some, uh, some additional, time in, in the game, um, especially the, the two we've mentioned, Braylon Moore and Xavier Chaplin, um, especially when a guy like, you know, we, we've talked about the, the many struggles that Parker Clements has had in the season yeah. and the fact that you know that Xavier Chaplin is going to have to be one of the guys going next into year. next year. Yeah, those two factors alone, I think, can, can be a good justification for getting him out there, especially... You know, a guy that is, you know, a true freshman, just just coming into fall camp. The fact that he's absorbed enough where he's on that cusp right now that yep. says a lot about him and, and what his future is with this team. But you also can't teach what he has. And
1: Coach Rudolph said he is a mountain. He's six foot six. He's three hundred and forty pounds. He is a he's a monster. He's and a he monster, and he can move, and he can, and move. And he can jump. Holy God, that Duncan video <laughs> still blows my mind. All right, so if if you're going forward. Now, you can, you can make this the rest of the season. You can say we're going to try this for four games. What would be your preferred five? What would you like to see?
0: I think I'd like to see – keep Silas at left. Um, give me Braylon, Johnny, Caden, and then Xavier at right. Um, I, th- I think that will give us the best – Chance that the best combination of talent versus building towards what we're going to look like next year, because we know that both Moore brothers are going to be in the mix next year. We know that is going to be in the mix next year, um, and then you keep your two veterans that are are going to be out of eligibility at the end of this year in there is to kind of hold the unit together.
1: Yep, and one's on the left side with one of the younger guys, and then more, you know, Chaplin on the right side with the lesser of the experience that's kind of where you maybe get a little shaky but i think things have got to change i think you've got to we were talking about the gelling and all that going on eventually when does it come to a point when okay things aren't gelling is it just the group's not going to gel on the field um and as much as they care which which is good to hear you know I, i have a feeling that if they didn't care, I don't think we would have heard that come out of Coach Rudolph's mouth because you know there's no reason to say that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, it'll be interesting going forward with the offensive line um, and with the quarterback. Yeah, and, I mean, and he
0: was talking about – it's little things, right? It's, it's these little things that kind of add up. And, and he was talking about pressing and talking about, you know, playing – playing not to make a mistake is still, it's never a winning strategy. If you're not playing with that confidence and that, you know, it's overthinking it's so many things that kind of come into play that can hinder you as an offensive lineman. And because, because you are having to work as a unit and as a group, and there's so much of what you do that impacts what other people are able to do on a given play call. Yep. And so, you know, if if you don't have all of that working, you know, in a full tandem with with the right mindset, then there's going to be inconsistencies and struggles, and that's what we've seen.
1: Exactly. All right, let's flip and talk a little bit about the defensive side of the ball, a couple things there, and then we'll wrap up with a few more places that we're seeing. Um, We felt the secondary was the strongest part of this team, and Saturday, what we've been hearing all year – depth's an issue, depth's an issue. Well, depth, against the best passing team we faced all year, reared its ugly head and bit us in the ass. And with Dorian Strong out and then Jalen Stroman out on that first half, basically our strongest unit against again against the best quarterback and probably some of the best skill position players not having to It showed, and it showed quick in that first half, um,
0: Yep,
1: you know, but but not not, but, not Evan
0: Strowman, not Evan Strong, and you know, it was the strongest unit against the best quarterback, and it showed that we're not quite there depth wise. No. But it was good to get uh get some extra time for, for DJ, um, yeah, for, for Mansoor, uh for Cam. Um, you know, they were able to come in. Um the moment didn't look for big too big, especially for Delaney. Delaney looked no. like he belonged out there. Yes he did. Um, and, well, DJ, and up, DJ, and, DJ, and all, and all three of them, you know, held up very well. So I yeah. mean, the, the future is bright at the position. Um, but you know, well, we def- them along we, with we def- yeah.
1: I mean, that's probably your starter. Well, yeah, that's probably your starter next year with Strong. So yeah. it, it shows really good. And again, Mansoor showed like right out the gate with that tackle for loss, and then a couple good coverage plays um yeah it, but but when it rears its ugly head against a team of that caliber and the way Drake may's playing right now Drake may five star real deal there yeah. is I I, I I don't think we we did I don't think we downplayed him last week when we we previewed him um
0: I mean the, but, the, the two things that I could critique him on are two things that don't really impact him that much especially if you don't get a rush on him I mean his footwork still needs, you know some some polishing, and he needs to not take unnecessary hits. That that's that's the two cr- critiques of this game. Other than that, I mean, shoot, <laughs> D- dude is uh in in his bag right now.
1: He absolutely is. All right, let's flip up. Let's talk about up front again, and then about the depth up front kind of hurting. Because I mean, to say. When, when when we were at 24 with less than, you know, nine minutes still left in the third quarter, eventually a couple of minutes later, the wheels fell off, the depth fell out, and the floodgates kind of opened to get it to 41, completely out of range. Um, and something, and Coach Prime mentioned it, I called partial interviews, not playing common running football. You know, you're down 14. If you can go out and get a score to open the half, right? It's yep. a seven-point game. They've got to press a little bit more. They didn't have to press, and once we didn't do anything with the second drive, it was just kind of like, "All right, we can, we can, we can take risks." They did. They scored seventeen.
0: Um, and the problem, like that, that opening drive um, of the second half. I mean, there was some promise there. There was some, yeah, some some calls. I think early that 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 went the way we wanted to, and then we kind of got in that kind of short yardage situation that we've, we've seen some struggles in um, this year yeah. and we weren't able to, to convert when we needed to. And, um, but you know, flipping it, when that happens, that puts so much strain on the, on the defensive depth. So, you know, just like in, in the DB room, we saw it along the defensive line. Yeah. Um, you know, we saw Nelson McCray, uh, Panay, I mean, and they they're banged. out there, they're making, they're, they're, they're getting banged. um you know, guys in and out of that that rotation, it's kind of hard to get pressure. And when you got guys banged, and you, you're already struggling to get a little bit of pressure on the guy, and and he's the guy you have to get pressure on to really impact. You know, it, it's just it's a feast back there. He was just able to kind of pick guys off,
1: and he was. And and those three guys we've been we've been we've been happy with this year. But again, where it shows when you start playing a better offense is you. It shows that. They're all three young. They're all three – you know, McCray, it feels like he's old, but McCray's only a redshirt freshman. They've only been playing – you know, they all may have 20 games between them. So, in the reality of things, they're still young. I mean, I think it's it's okay what's happening. I think them getting reps against elite offenses and seeing how quick things are happening in front of them, that tape gets put on Sunday, right, Brian? Here's where we've got to work better. This is where we've got to work better. But I think now up front defensively because of where we are is I think we've got to strategically start thinking about letting some of the guys play the four games. Now, if anybody pops, I think you burn a red shirt. I don't care. Because the more tape and the more play you get with them, it's going to help long run. Like right now, Malachi Madison. Malachi's got the body, right? If nothing else, he's going to be difficult. Even even as an experienced as he is, Malcolm has 310 pounds. That still is difficult for even the most technician and strong offensive lineman to move. Give him his three games. Think about stretch Carroll. Do they give Gunnar Givens? Get them and prize mention it, let them play. Because if you're letting them play, at least it's the film, right, Brian? It's the teaching moments. Yeah. Are you, you lined up here, you went here, you should have went this way. Look at your footwork.
0: And I know yeah, they, they, they can learn something from the process and you might, you know, find a guy that can give you a boost in the short term.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'd love to see that happen and it's gotta be done strategically because by all means, if you know, like this weekend against Pitt, something fluky happens and we're in that game. Like, yeah, it's going to be tough to put them in, in those situations. Right. Yeah. It's gonna be tough to put them in. If it's like a, I don't you know. I'll make my prediction in about an hour here. But if you know, if it's a 21-21 game late, it's really tough to go say we're gonna put in four freshmen to play this series. Yeah. Well, you're still trying to win a game. If there's other points in the uh, within the game you can put them in to get that experience, do it. But I think they have to look to these next seven games, getting those guys those reps. Um running back room, I thought we had Malachi coming back. Um obviously he's closer than he's ever been. He's on the depth chart this week. King's still solid. He had nine carries for 50-some yards for a couple good ones. And Duke continuing to show the good traits where that room right there, those three have eligibility to come back next year.
0: Yep. All three of them.
1: It would be, it would be yeah. King's final year, Thomas and Bryce are young bucks. So I think you've already burned Bryce, right? You might as well make him part of the game plan every week.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially I think with when you get Malachi back at full steam, I think that's when you start seeing Holston's carries kind of move further and further down the depth chart because they kind of have similar skill sets in terms of, of being competent between the tackles uh, big enough to, to kind of get some first downs, um, you know, by, by running people over if they can. Um, Whereas King and Duke are kind of more, a little more undersized.
1: Yeah. Shifty.
0: So, yeah. So I I think that's the opportunity. And I think that's when you start seeing Holston kind of slip down the depth chart uh, a little bit further.
1: But we're seeing it also in game. I mean, Holston only had two carries. On yeah. um, He only had two carries. I, I couldn't give you a snap number. I know that he was out there in some of the passing situations. He was out there in he,
0: passing situations. Because he is he a was, good blocker. He is.
1: Yeah. He is. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Wide receiver, tight end room. Um,
0: Brian, just, just as we I pop it on the screen here, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that Connor Blumrick. I mean, yeah, we haven't seen him, um, kind of designed into the offense, uh, as much as I think we wanted to see him. Um, he hasn't been the kind of primary guy, the do it all guy that we thought we were going to get when the season started. He's worked in here or there, um, he's given us some 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 quality snaps, but he is absolutely is not uh, working um, as a primary component of the offense at this point. But somebody that we did finally get to see and look he at showed it out,
1: do it, do it. You know, you're so happy about this,
0: Daquan Wright, <laughs> Daquan Wright.
1: I mean, you um, y'all don't know he, this guy. Texts me, I think. That first play, and it's like, see, I've been right <laughs> since I first saw him on tape. And he did look good. He, Much like you said, Mansoor Delaney belonged out there. Daquan Wright looked like he belonged out there on Saturday against UNC. I mean, 100%. I mean, he had four catches, 31 yards. He got into zones. He beat some guys off the, off the ball. And – You know, that's what you want. And, and, and now, now they have to make the decision, right? Yeah. Do do you go ahead and just say, you know, screw it or do you burn him?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to depend on if we see kind of a similar output this week, if he, if he's involved in the game plan, if he continues to kind of show that progress, if he's helping you, you got to go ahead and burn it. Um, because it's going to help him for next year too, because it's only going to give him some more opportunities. Uh, Cause he's taking kind of over that you... Drake
1: role. He's taking over yeah. the Drake role next year and probably with a lot more fanfare than Drake's playing this year.
0: Well, he's probably going to take over. He's going to be doing what Drake's doing and doing some of what Connor's doing. So right. he's, he's going to kind of be a little bit of Jack of all trades come next year. So getting him out there where he can kind of do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, um, that that's only going to help us going into next year. And if, and if he still, if he shows out again, like he did this week, you know, 25 plus yards, you know, three or four receptions. I mean, that, that's, that's some quality work for, for a tight end, especially one, um, you know, true freshman just, just got to to camp in the fall. So uh, we'll we'll see if he can make some more ground up. I I tell you the the thing I haven't seen a lot of, um, you know, getting a lot of buzz out of fall campus Holloway and we haven't really seen him get much run. Is it time to kind of work him into the receiver rotation with some of these other guys? Maybe.
1: And that's the whole thing. I think you're at the point that you can start taking those risks. It's you're, you're two and three, you're not five. and oh you're not four and one. You're you're not trying to, you know, we, we, there's, is there a bold possibility out there? Yeah. Weird things have happened. But it's, you know, again, finding who's going to be that guy. Maybe Holloway is the next guy that you see out there get some run. Um, I'm going to go to the linebacker room real quick, and I'm going to make this statement. I know Dax is the leader of the linebacker group, and I know Dax is a big figure in Virginia Tech football since 2000 and really 16. And he's a hokey through and through. You love him for it. He, he plays with passion. He plays with heart. He plays with fire. But sometimes we hold him on the field just a little bit too long when the matchup isn't right. When they started carrying him up the seam numerous times and they beat him, you've got to just cut it off and say, okay, they're taking him out of what he does best. Those intermediate zones and deep zones, that's not his game.
0: Short zones. Anytime they saw us in cover two, they were picking on Dax. They were
1: picking on Dax. And what I'm saying with this linebacker group we have right now between Jenkins, Walker, Lawson, McDonald, all these young, more athletic guys than Dax, you've got to go ahead and mix it up. And, again, I think that's something we saw with Johnson last week is, all right, we're at the point now, start mixing. Find your nickel next year. Yeah. I don't know who the mic's going to be next year. I think – I really think just from Brent – probably discussing it. I think Brent Pryor wants Jaden Keller to be the mic. And I think Johnson is going to fight him for it. I think that is going to be next spring, roughly uh, eight months from now. Did I do yeah. that right? Yeah. No, 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 no. Seven months from now. My months are six months from now. Spring next year, I think. Math is, is hard, little, guys. It is hard. <laughs> After having a pounding headache this afternoon, yeah, math is very hard. Um, but I think that's going to be a, such an intriguing position. And I think right now, you know, the next couple of weeks, not, you don't have to, it's not going to be worried about as much, but I think we get to NC state. I think NC state's going to try to take advantage of Dax completely.
0: Yeah. And we'll, I'll say this when we talk about, you know, taking advantage of that cover too, and knowing that Dax has to get kind of that deep, uh, deep middle, Um not very many quarterbacks at the college level can recognize that, make that throw. True. So, you know, this isn't a every week type deal. Um, But at the same time, we still do have some good quarterbacks on our schedule remaining that can take advantage of that. Um, But yeah, I'm with you. I I think, I think he liked Keller. I, I think the, in terms of next year taking over for Mike, I think it's between Keller and Johnson. I think Johnson probably has um it seems like has the understanding of the defense down a little bit better. Um, but I think he likes Keller's physical traits better. Yeah. So I think the the combination of the two can, can Keller pick it up where he where he can call the defense, mm-hmm. where he can 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 be that communicator uh for the defense. I think that's another big Big piece to watch going through the rest of this year and into the start of next year. Um, But you can mix it right now, right? But you can, can, yeah. You can mix it. We've seen, I mean, we we the depth the depth chart, especially. I mean, Will Will has been a a rotating cast of characters the entire season so far in terms of the depth chart. Um, you know, we've seen Keller at the top of that list. We've seen Lawson at the top of the list. We've seen McDonald at the top of the list. Um, you know, it's kind of been, I think they're still kind of figuring out the balance. I think sometimes it's still being dictated by opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, that aspect as well. So, yep. You know, as, as we get further along, we'll see if any guy emerges at that position. And obviously, you know, depending on the eligibility situation, you still got Tisdale in there as well. Um. That, that could be a factor. I, I don't I don't think at this point that we're gonna get that mm-hmm. resolved this season. But he'll no, be we're in not. the discussion potentially next year. So, yeah, um, that's gonna be an interesting room to watch. Um,
1: <laughs> All right, so we're gonna put that to bed, and we're kind of putting to bed UNC at with that right there because the next two things we're gonna talk about, even though some of it's on UNC, it's a little bit more towards looking to the future and trying to have people calm down. A lot of, lot of chatter about Bowen's not cut for this, this team isn't good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Brian, I know you saw it. We had a chat about it. Um, and Brian decided just to look at some extra tape. Other than what he's seeing during watching the game live, Brian's a junkie on football, y'all. I mean, y'all, y'all, y'all don't <laughs> understand this um, uh, to the point well, we're all sports junkies that probably listen to this. Brian's now going 50 50 stack in front of him there in the man cave. And as he said, can watch football, we can keep the family happy. So I know you're doing a lot more breakdowns, but let's talk about the scheme. Cause I know there were times, again, you got frustrated on Saturday where there was he had schemed somebody wide open and we didn't hit him.
0: Yeah. And, and kind of the thing that like kind of putting a big bow on it. I don't think we're underplaying relative to our talent, but we also aren't doing a good job of maximizing the scheme relative to that talent right now. Uh, So there's yards kind of all over the field that we're missing, whether it's execution error by the quarterback, drop balls, you know, missing a block, not quite getting to a block, you know, something that turns a, you know, a, a eight, eight yard gain into a one or two yard gain because somebody didn't quite get to their spot. Somebody took a bad angle. Um, somebody let somebody cross their face. I mean, there, there's just these little things and I know, and I get that some people are frustrated with the calls and the scheme. I like the scheme. The scheme is good. The, the front, the where I have a frustration and this is mostly looking at Bowen's relative inexperience as a power five play caller. Um, not changing and rotating personnel sooner often enough. And I'd like to see some development or refinement to kind of bridge the gap with these shortcomings week to week. Um, The things that he is struggling with the most is, is those adjustments and then not having kind of an extra wrinkle or a big new wrinkle week to week that kind of throws off Um, the opposing defense, something that they don't have tape on yet. You know, that that's the kind of things that I think is where he's not quite, um, not quite hit his stride yet. And some of that, especially with the latter might just be, we're not doing enough of our bread and butter stuff good yet that I'm not trying to throw more at them week to week.
1: Yeah. So it's, so it's, again, that's why I wanted Brian to speak to it. Um, Again, I still like the scheme. I still think he's scheming people open. I think from what you've told me, there are people open. We're just not getting there, and it's kind of goes back to Grant. And again, another knock on Grant. We're not trying to bury the guy here, but Brian, you've, you've said it. You've said it since week one. He locks onto that first receiver when a lot of times it's the second read that's getting mm-hmm. open. That if he got off of that guy quicker, there's a guy wide open or. And not a relatively easy throw, but a throw you can complete and get yard with.
0: Yeah. And like I said, you know, he needs to get some help from his receivers. There was a lot of drop balls. I know it was a little bit of a slick situation out there from time to time, but. A little misty. Yeah. You know, you got to grab those. The other team did not struggle with with drops the way we did. So. Absolutely. (laughs) There's only so much you can blame on the conditions there. Um, So you got, you got to help your quarterback out, but your quarterback has to understand and work within the framework of the scheme and get through those progressions where he can get the ball to the guy that is coming open uh, in the offense. And I know another thing, we talked about this a lot on the sideline, on the, on the timeline. uh, Someone was saying, you know, check with me. Uh, They they hate the check with me. And I, I I kept saying right back to him, if we can get into a rhythm and we can go tempo, yep. you're going to see less check with me.
1: But we so can't right now. We we're can't.
0: we're not we're not dictating to the defense. And when we're, when we're not dictating to the defense, then scheme matters more. And so you're going to see a lot more check with me. So we get in the best possible situation for that down in distance.
1: There we go. All right, before we jump over to Pitt, we're going to take a look at a few kind of college football news and notes. Um, obviously one that probably caught this fan base's eye more than anybody. Uh, 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 speaking of Robbie Compton, we were talking Robbie, yeah, Joe. Robbie
0: kind of going back to my point there um, if, we're about the bread if we, and butter. If
1: you can't get the bread and butter right, why add a wrinkle? There you go. <laughs> All right, but a little news and notes. Big one that caught every Hokies fan's eyes was Devin Ford, no longer with the Penn State team. Sounds like he is preserving his red shirt and essentially will enter the portal. We're on now that the 45-day portal timeline. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure Brent Pry probably had a hand in recruiting him because he was up in Northern Virginia. So as far as, you know, let's make the running back room bigger. Let's make the running back room bigger. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i mean you know I, I have no big problem with uh with us pursuing that mm-hmm. because we, we need frontline talent across the board i mean there yeah. there's not a position group where more than a handful of starters where you feel are Great about yeah. absolutely absolutely locked in rock solid couldn't be pressed by anybody else that that you could get in the portal um so i think that's where i mean you got to explore your options uh you know running back is probably not a need position but we could definitely upgrade the position i think um and, and create more depth there i mean you look at a yeah. team like like pit that we're about to talk about that you know they only got two healthy right now but they've got essentially three starting caliber running backs. Yep. And so, I mean, we, so we, I mean, and we've had that in, in our past, you know, looking back at, uh, at 2009 and 2010. So, I mean, we, we sorry. understand, we, we, we understand the, uh, you know, the, the ability to run three NFL caliber running backs out there.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, 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 and well, we didn't ever run them correctly out there. Don't get me into that when you had <laughs> and Williams and somehow we did not manage to have like a top 15 offense with three NFL running backs, multiple NFL wide receivers and an NFL quarterback. You want to get it? Let's go into 2009 episode, 2010 and get me fired up. All right. We'll keep moving. Brian, <laughs> we we, we got to roll here. All right. Carl Durrell out of Colorado. I don't think that's a shocker. I mean, literally the worst team in P5 both sides of the ball no shot there but the shock one came Sunday night Paul Chris out at Wisconsin Paul Chris basically I mean he's had a, it's not been a great start to this season the guy's been there 6 years he's went to 3 BCS bowls he went 13 and 1 one year he won you know double digit games four times his two bad game, his two bad seasons were 8 and 9 I'm I'm in and, and one of the
0: when one, one of the his worst year was the covid year
1: I don't I don't count the covid year okay I don't, I don't count that you look at everything other thing around. I mean back in 20 what year was it 2013 20 they went 13 and 1 the only loss was to Ohio state They lost to them by six, and and if it's one of these things where you're if Wisconsin fired him, well, he can't get us over the top. There's not many people to get you over the top, but now you're taking a guy who could potentially get you in a few years into the playoff run every year, and you're firing him. And I'm not knocking Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard's a hell of a defensive coordinator, but I mean, if we need a special assistant to the head coach next year. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping
0: Joe. There, and- there's a relationship there <laughs> that, that we let's could foster. Hope it's still good, man. Let, let's hope maybe, uh, you know, we, we still need some death on the offensive line for next year, too. So, yeah, you know, we'll see if any of those guys. <laughs> maybe the they didn't take well.
1: kindly to it. Let's hope the offensive lineman did take kindly to firing Paul Crisp up well, there. And I I make the, people uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I'd be fine well, with that.
1: I'd be fine with it. Um, One last piece of uh, news here, and and this is sort of – hits close to us. Um, This guy played at UVA. His name was Tyrone Davis. Um, If you're where we're from, Halifax County, Virginia, Tyrone Davis is one of the three sports gods that came through our high school. Tyrone went to UVA. He broke Herman Moore's record. And I know he's a UVA guy. And some people were like, what the hell are you talking about? This guy? He's from our hometown and was probably the greatest football player that ever came through there. He played seven years in the league. Um and he passed away today. And, you know, for us, he was just a little bit like we were four and five years old he was playing. It was before our team won state championship, but it, I wanted to mention it because, again, there's 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 a big three that came through Halifax. Tyrone was one; he played multiple years in the NFL. He was a D1 college stud. Terry Davis, who yep. he, it felt like played forever in the NBA, and Jeremy. <laughs> and when when he, when I read it passed away, it, it kind of broke my heart a little bit. And I know Brian, you played more organized football, and I know he was around, around back then. It, it's, it's one of those things, man.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, you always have those hometown heroes that you kind of looked up to and, and respected. And, you know, he was kind of, he was that era that ushered in the, you know, the best team that Halifax County has ever had. He was kind of, he was the Dwight Vick of that situation. He kind of laid the groundwork and then, um, you know, you you reached that height in 1999. So, um, he was kind of like that for us. Um, and, you know, he was there when uh, you know, Fred Palmore was the head coach. And then, um, you know, there was there was some change there. And, you know, I look back and, like I said, he was one of the guys that, that we were kind of, you know, we, we point to and say, okay, well, they came from here. You know, when, when you're from Halifax County, small school, um, relative to a lot of the teams that we were playing at the time, um, and definitely one of the more rural um, schools in, in those districts. Um, you know, you kind of look to guys like that and say, hey, if he can make it out, if he can do those big things, you know, maybe I can too. So um, really sad, really, 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 really sad situation. But, um, you know, prayers and, and thoughts to, to his family and, and, and to the community.
1: Absolutely. All right. Before we get into Know the Enemy Pit, we're going to take a quick pause from our digital partners. So now we move on to Pit and we go to, well, Hinesfield. It's always going to be Hinesfield. I don't care what the new name is. Accra Sure Stadium. Hinesfield. <laughs> and we take a look at the Pit Panthers coming off a loss to Georgia Tech, which. I didn't, I know that game was on ACC Network. I'm here in the cave Saturday night. We're watching a movie. I got games going on. And I got I, I, somebody texting me, like, my, my cousin from South Carolina texted me, He's like, what the hell is Pitt doing with Georgia Tech? And I was like, what, what the hell do you mean? I look down and it's like they're winning. It's like, what the hell? Yep, I agree with that, Robbie, 100%. All right, so we're going to look at them. I'm going to start, let's start with Keaton Slovis, the quarterback. He is. Uh, a USC transfer, um, two pit when he came out in 2019, he was a three-star quarterback. To go to USC. If you don't recall, he did take over the starting job from another guy we saw this year, JT Daniels, where he had a really good 2019 season, where he threw for 30 touchdowns, nine interceptions so far this season. Been kind of steady Eddie, right at a thousand yards, five TDs, two picks what are we seeing on Slovis right now? Cause this was a kind of a big pickup for them on a, uh, in the transfer portal this year, Ron.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, we're seeing some similar things that we saw from him in 2020 uh, in, uh sorry, 2021 with uh with Slovis there, he's a pro ready uh, in terms of his accuracy and pocket awareness. Um, really good at reading defenses and pretty regularly. He gets through his progressions, functional, um, athleticism in terms of escaping the pocket but he typically only scrambles to kind of buy time to pass or get rid of the football he's not trying to scramble for first downs like we saw drake may do last week um he has functional arm strength um but so he can make all the throws but he's not a guy that's going to press it downfield consistently and he will occasionally lock onto his primary read when he's pressured consistently so if we can get some pressure on him we can potentially you know, get him to situations where he's making some bad choices with the football how did he look against the
1: blitz because i think that's what we're gonna probably i think we're gonna probably have to live and die by that the rest of the season
0: yeah and i think the the way they operate they are not an raid. they are not an rpo they there's some elements that they have in their offense but they're they're more they're more multiple they're more pro style um we're gonna have opportunities if we can slow their running game down where we can get after him. Uh, and, and cause him some problems.
1: All right. So good deal there. Again, Slovis is a good quarterback. I'm not going to knock him at that whatsoever, but as someone, he's not what Kenny Pickett was in his 18th year, which, you know, now <laughs> Kenny Pickett's transitioned to the league. Kenny had a great Sunday, Brian, a no balls of his hit the ground.
0: Yeah. Fortunately,
1: three or to the other team.
0: Yeah, it, it's one of those one of those weird games where, you know, you complete everything, just, you know, some of them didn't go the, the right way for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, let's take a look now. We're going to look at two of their running backs because the first guy we're going to talk about here, Israel Abaddon um, has been banged up recently. So not sure if we're going to see him, but Brian wanted to take a look at both because obviously we don't talk about one. The guy will still... Uh, show up, um, Israel, four-star prospect when he came out in 2020 from Brooklyn, New York, Abraham Lincoln High School, the number one player in the state of New York, a top 200 player on 247, and you know, so far in his career, you know, solid numbers, you know, just under 250 attempts, right over 1250 yards, um, since 2020, had a solid season last year um we're going to talk about a second one but let's talk about israel up front what's he bringing to the table as far as it goes with their running back run?
0: yeah is he's uh an experienced back with really good speed um he's really excellent at hitting the home run when he gets to that second level great second level vision um I, i'd give him only a, an average grade um at the first level he's he, he'll, he'll get in there um but if you can stop him at the first level, you're going to kind of keep him in check. But if he gets to that second level, he is a big, big factor. Um, he's not really a threat in the receiving game beyond check downs. They don't do a whole lot with him in the screen game. They don't send him, um, on those wheels or anything like that. Very consistently. Occasionally he'll flare out. He'll catch something like that. Um, but primarily he's going to be a check down threat in the passing game. Uh, but, but again, his, his big ability is that home run, um, home run threat when he gets to the second and third level of the defense. Yeah, And
1: I know we were talking about, when we chatted this week. You were saying the guy you feel like is the best is the guy that's currently out in Rodney Hammond Jr. But when Izzy got banged up, they brought in Vincent Davis, um, who's getting some more run, a a three-star out of uh, Cardinal Gibbons High School in Fort Lauderdale, Florida in the 2019 class. Um. What are they showing with Davis? Kind of a smaller back at five eight, about one hundred and seventy five pounds. What's he doing for the pit offense if he's going to be the primary guy Saturday afternoon?
0: Yeah, he's a little bit more steady Eddie in terms of his production, whereas Izzy's definitely more of a boom and bust uh, type back. If he's not breaking a big one, uh, usually it's a modest gain. Uh, Davis could kind of hit mm-hmm. off those, you know, eight eight to fifteen yarders a little more consistently. Um, and that's mainly because he's more of a threat on the edge uh, than he is between the tackles. So when he gets when he gets to the edge, he's getting some consistent yardage there, uh, and he's kind of a good change of back, change of pace back relative to what uh, what Izzy does well. Um, it gives a little bit of extra wiggle at the line of scrimmage, uh, and they do use him a little bit more in the passing game than they do a Abanikanda. So you can look for that um, as well. And his role definitely increased when, uh, when Rodden Hammond went down and I think Hammond's probably the most balanced uh, of the three. Um, he he's, he's, he's really good at, um, kind of getting those, those hard yards, but he's also a guy that when he gets to the second level, he can hurt you for, for a big run.
1: Yeah. And, um, Vincent Davis, the last two games, which was against Rhode Island and obviously the loss against Georgia tech, you know, 22 carries, 131 yards on the ground with a touchdown. You mentioned the receiving threat, Brian. Six receptions, 48 yards. Um, So, obviously, it's it's kind of weird to look at those two games, but but what they were doing is kind of balancing and everything. So, he does have that potential threat. I hope he's the guy versus Izzy this week, or they're maybe trying to get Izzy back because – the one thing I don't think we can that the team and our team in general can't hold is someone breaking a big one for a touchdown. We saw how much that hurt against you and see when they hit what the the tight end seam route and some of the other deeper plays. So a team that we can keep in front of us and players we can keep in front of us is going to definitely be big. Now talking about keeping in front of you, one guy we do need to worry about in the outside is Jared Wayne, six foot three. 210 pounds. He is a big-bodied wide receiver. So far this year, 19 receptions, 354 yards, averaging right at 19 per reception. And when he came out, Clearwater, Florida, a very low three-star. So, you know, something we, we we talk about, give Pitt the credit, they develop guys. They develop guys into being good collegiate players. Um, and believe it or not, primary recruiter, remember this name, Kevin Sherman. The old wide receiver coach. What are you seeing with him on tape? And is he the guy that Keaton will lock on sometimes?
0: Uh, He is the guy that he will lock on um, often. Um, He uses him as their primary receiving threat and kind of as a a safety blanket. Um, So he is their primary target uh mostly at intermediate range threat a lot, lot of stuff in that 15 to 25 yard range for him um we'll usually have at least at least one 25 yard plus catch a game um so he he will have an occasional you know deep ball that goes his way um that that can burn us in one play but he's more of a stick mover and a Mr. Reli- reliable for Slovis, uh, he's the guy that he's going to look for um, to kind of move the stakes that they're in those third and uh, long and, and medium situations.
1: All right. Another name to keep an eye on is be Kanata Mumpfield in the rod receiver room. Um, he is leading the team interception. And he put a really good – he put probably his second best game together against Georgia Tech. Um, you know – did you see Mumpfeld on tape? Is he, is he their slot guy or is he their why?
0: They move him around, but um, he, he primarily works underneath. He, he's a lot of the short stuff.
1: Okay. Makes um, sense. Averaging right at ten a, 10 a pop. So, makes sense there. All right, Brian, you've kind of mentioned it already. Let's hear a little bit about their O-line in this offensive scheme.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a multiple pro-style attack. Um, a lot more balance this year and and – than we've seen um, with Whipple. Uh, now that they got Signetti, there calling the offense. Um, they, uh, they run the ball a whole lot more than I think we're used to um, from, from a pit attack. Um, they are more tight end heavy than we've seen recently. Um, although they don't use them a ton as weapons. They're, they're definitely in there for blocking. Um, they'll use a fullback. They got a heavy package where they'll bring in an ex, extra offensive lineman. So, um, they really are kind of a little bit more old school in terms of um, how they like to attack a defense. And they've got a veteran line um, that can be dominant at times, um, but they can also be confused and overwhelmed with pressure. So I think that's probably how we're going to attack them is, is just try to get them kind of mm-hmm. off their game uh, by by run blitzes and bringing some pressure on those uh, long down and distances.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, they are running a lot more than they had in the past. Um, you know, last year they were a pretty balanced team this year. They're 60, 40 against the run. So, um, but I think that's who not is though. I think if he sees that he doesn't quite have the talent, you know, he'll play his brand of defense, which, you know, we're about to talk about here and sort of let the cards where they fall. And that's, that's, it's been in the past. And we, we, we've been the beneficiary. It's why they lose some games sometimes. He does get into a conservative shell. But let's talk about the defense and let's talk about kind of the uh, the man in the middle guy we've talked about, I feel like multiple times since we started this podcast. So, how long has he been here? Cerveza Dennis, the six foot one, 230 pound linebacker. 2019 class, a two-star out of the state of New York. They've definitely developed him into a very solid collegiate linebacker. And uh, what's the tape looking like with him, Ron?
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we've we seen Servace so Dennis now for, for a while. Uh, he does a really good job attacking the gap. Um, he's used heavily in the blitz game. They'll, they'll send him up the middle. They'll send him off the edge with some line stunts. Um, does a good job of using his hands to shed blockers, um, and is great in pursuit. Um, he can get picked on in coverage though, especially, uh, when he's in zone, he looks really, really hesitant a lot of times, uh, when he's in zone coverage, when he's able to get a kind of a more single read in, in man coverage, he does a little bit better. He does have that athleticism. Um, but he looks a little lost in zone from time to time. And, uh, with that being said, you know, he can get influenced with some misdirections some window dressing and things like that. That'll get him out of position. All right. Yeah. Now, as far as it goes, he is,
1: you know, one of their better tacklers, you know, the guy's already got 38 tackles in, you know, five games, four tackles for loss, some sacks. Um, What are those sacks? Are those sacks coverage sacks or are they using him on a blitz? Oh, you already uh, said they, it. You yeah. Said they use him on a blitz
0: pr- pretty, pretty regularly. Yeah. Sorry, y'all. I'm telling y'all, my head is murdering me right now. <laughs>
1: All right, let's flip over. Next guy you want to talk about is a guy at the back end, and that's Eric Hallett, the uh, <clears throat> the five foot 195-pound defensive back out of Cypress, Texas. A three-star when he came out in 2018. And so far this year, you know, 18 tackles, couple interceptions, Two fumble recoveries, five pass
0: breakups.
1: Um, are they using him a lot in zone, Brian? Or are they kind of mix and matching with him?
0: Uh, mix and match. He's really good at man coverage, though. Um, and, and you know, when when they're bringing those pre- those pressures, a lot of times he will get locked up in man coverage, usually on the tight end. Uh, sorry, on the slot opposite the tight end, um, and he's really good at diagnosing and attacking um, the short stuff. Uh, behind a lot of scrimmage passing game things like that he'll he'll get in there get the tackle for loss uh, not afraid to to bring a little lumber um, but just like uh Dennis, he can be influenced with um the play action the r p o the misdirection uh when he's in zone coverage so that that's an area where we might be able to take advantage when they're not bringing pressure
1: all right. Let's go to the defensive line, and there was one guy that kind of caught your eye. I was, I was expecting to see you put two defensive linemen um, on your rundown when you sent it over to me, but you only put one. Kalijah Cansey, the six foot, two hundred seventy five pound defensive lineman, um, out of Northwestern High School in Miami, Florida, a three star when he came out in two thousand nineteen. So far this year, nineteen tackles, seven and a half for loss, three sacks. Um, where is he primarily playing Brian and what does he bring into the table?
0: Yeah, he's primarily the, uh, the two, eye uh, on this four man front. Uh, he brings an elite combination of strength and athleticism. Um, great at penetrating at the snap sheds blockers well in the run game. Uh, he has a really great motor as a pass rusher. Um, but he does rely a lot on his physical tools when rushing the passer, um, so if you can slow his initial burst, he doesn't really have a secondary move um other than just you know keeping going and eventually trying to work his way to the quarterback so um yeah that's an area where if we can get a get a good punch keep keep our feet moving in front of the um uh, in front of him, we can potentially slow him down a little bit but um you know, I really like what he brings to the table he's gonna be a handful for sure who do you primarily see matching up with him Saturday on our line? Uh, I mean, it's going to be a lot of, uh, that, the interior there, man, it's going to be, you know, Jesse, Johnny and, uh, and Caden. Um, usually, I mean, it's going to depend on the strength. Um, like I said, he's usually in that two eye roll, So he'll be, um, be, be on, on Johnny's plate a good deal. Um, with all those uh, those gap schemes where he's blocking back against the uh, the two eye. All right, awesome. All right, let's flip back. Let's
1: go back to the secondary for one more player you wanted to talk about, and that's Brandon Hill, a five foot eleven hundred ninety five pound defensive back, another Florida kid, three star, out of Kiva High School in Apopka, Florida, twenty nineteen class. So far this year, we're taking a look at him, and we. have you know, 32 tackles. Um, only one pass deflection. Brian, um, I am assuming he's the strong safety.
0: Yep, strong safety. Actually, the fastest player on the team. Okay, was, uh, sub sub four four speed. Um, they they got him routinely matched up against the tight end uh, or the outside uh, slot slot guy in man coverage. Um, really great in pursuit he covers a lot of ground really quickly um he does struggle sometimes when he's accounted for by a blocker um so he, he doesn't do a good job of getting off of blocks very well especially when it's coming from a tight end or a lineman and uh and he also can be influenced with that with that play action the rpo the misdirection stuff um they primarily use him um in the run game. And they also will use him a lot in, in, uh, in, in zone and man. So they mix and match him a lot. Again, everybody on this team is going to have to have to have some, some degree of man coverage in their belt because of how much pressure they bring.
1: All right. That makes sense. Now, when you talk about saying he's covering, he, he does well covering the uh, tight end and routinely matched up, is it one of those things where he's maybe more playing a shadow and just using that athleticism to, okay, they're going to make the catch, but when they make the catch, I'm going to turn the jets on, and get there and get them down.
0: Yeah. I mean, he, he does a good job of kind of, like I said, closing that gap. Um, he doesn't really do a whole lot of, uh, when he's matched on the tight end. it's, it's usually not in zone. It's usually in, in those man coverages and he does a good job of staying on his man and closing the gap. So, you know, you might get the completion, but you, you're not going to get a lot of those yards after the catch.
1: Got it. All right, let's do a quick high level view of the uh, scheme here with uh, Pat Narduzzi's four two five.
0: Yeah, I mean it's an attacking four two five. We've seen it for years now. Um, it's it's very familiar to to Hokies. Um, you know they'll be bringing pressure consistently, especially if we don't establish a run game. If they feel like they can tee off on us and make Grant Wells have to make a play, that's what they're going to do, and they probably will. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, they pursue really well as a unit in the running game, and they flow to the point of attack very quickly. Um, So you got to be, you know, getting to your spot, staying on your blocks, um, because they will flow to the ball and, and create some havoc there. Uh, but as I've said, with the individual players, as a team defense, they can also be susceptible to play action, RPO, and misdirection. Um, so I imagine that we're going to probably have some of that in our pocket this week. Um, and since they bring pressure a lot, they're running a lot of man. So we're going to eventually have to have to get some where we beat them, you know, 20 yards plus down the field to keep them honest.
1: Absolutely.
0: And they're especially susceptible to that if, the, if you know, the pressure doesn't get home. If we're able to to be sure up front, give Grant a good pocket, that's only going to make it harder on the back end for them to hold up in that man coverage. Yep.
1: All right, so let's flip it over to know the enemy in the Hokies Keys. And I think, Brian, that's one of the first things we look at, right? It's how do we take on the pressure? And not only how we take on the pressure up front, but – can Tyler Bowen where you've seen him scheme some guys open can he find the soft spots can he find where they're coming from and can Grant Wells get there how key is that going to be because if you tell me I mean overall pass pro's have been solid not spectacular but very solid but if we're able to slow them up when they bring the pressure is i mean is this the game where Grant Wells has got to take that step where listen there's going to be voided areas you've got to know where they're voiding and you've got to get it there because we have the opportunity to break big plays.
0: Yeah. And some of this is going to be about understanding, you know, where, where the, where the man coverage is and where the mismatch in man coverage is uh, and being able to diagnose that before the snap. Um, That way, if, if you know that you've got a mismatch somewhere in further down your progression, you know you can come off of your primary if it's not there right out the gate, and know that you probably have a mismatch on your secondary read. Um, so that that's that's what he's going to have to work on identifying this week, and that might help him take advantage of, of of some of the yards that we've been leaving out on the field.
1: All right, I think another key this week, Brian, and we saw it get cleaned up again is penalties. Um, you know the UNC game, I think it was three for twenty-two, and one was very early with Silas with the false start. But it was overall we played a very clean game. And I think to have any Mm -hmm. – venue, and then, you know, we look at Pitt. Pitt's on the bottom side with us, right? Yeah. 84th in the country, averaging over 60 yards per game on the penalty. So, if we can do what we did last week, and they are their normal cells, maybe we can gain a few advantages in the penalties department.
0: Yeah, I think if we can continue to clean things up, but also play better, right? I think yeah, if we can ratchet up our play, but still keep it clean. I think that's important because I think, you know, our defense has played two good games where they were penalized a lot. Yeah. We we need to have the, the, the good without the bad. Yep. Um, if we can do that, I think we've got something that we can work with in this game. Now, I'm going to say
1: if a point goes back to our first hokey key, those taking deep shots. We know that Pratt and Arduzzi's defensive backs are handsy. They like to grab, they like to pull. So I think you're thinking about take some deep shots, it falls right into that, get some penalties on them, get them frustrated. Yep. We all remember 2016 and what an enjoyable treat that was that night as they could not stop a fade or downfield pass and they had like nine penalties and he lost his mind. And I think it's I think that's something else that with Caleb especially, and you know, maybe look at Jalen Jones as we saw him we've seen him go up. Maybe Daquan Wright, say screw it. Go down the sideline and just throw it up. Yeah. We know they get handsy. If it looks bad enough, we may be able to take advantage of their aggressiveness like teams are taking advantage of ours.
0: Make a throw that gives your guy a chance to get it, but isn't going to be a, a pick if they don't.
1: 100%. All right, something I'm going to kind of call out the defense for. We've got to force some turnovers. We have to. The games we have forced turnovers in, think about the BC game, that early turnover set the momentum. We are 115th in the country in forcing turnovers. We only have four for the year. And, yeah. and and as aggressive as we've been, we know this defense needs short fields. So any sort of thing like that, and it's and it's sort of crazy because, you know, we, we saw the West Virginia game with the forced turnover at midfield we did nothing with, and then obviously the BC game we ended up scoring. But is it one of those things – is this the week where does pride on the defense say, listen, we've got to take risks? We've got to take some high risk to force turnover. So, if you think you see a ball that's going to be thrown, jump it. Because right now it's sort of we're not deaf by a thousand cuts because the cuts are bigger, but that's the way we're losing games, right?
0: Yeah, but I think you still want to you want to still play within the scheme of the defense. Okay. Um. I. I so, I think you want to. You know, I think probably might dial up some more consistent pressure this week because he's gonna have the opportunity to I think um, if we can do anything to slow down their running game uh, th- then we've got some opportunities to get them in in bad down in distances and they're not as as deadly as the last two teams we played in moving the sticks yeah um, with with that type of game um with the quick passing game uh, some of their things take a little bit more time to develop um just the nature of the of the offense there'll be some more opportunities to to get after the quarterback i think this week than we've seen the last two weeks um so i think you see the the blitzes get dialed up a lot more frequently and hopefully that can you know whether it's you know forcing a fumble in the backfield whether it's um you know getting an interception hopefully that'll you know we can come home with with at least two in our belt this week
1: absolutely Last part of Hokie Keys, again, I think seeing him on the depth chart, seeing him warm up last week, I think it's a potential return of Malachi Thomas' spark because the offense needs something. They need something to look forward to. And I think having a guy like Malachi Kai, who's consistent come back on the field and regardless of how many plays it is, I don't know how they're going to get him back in. I don't know how where he is as far as his conditioning is, But you often see that sometimes, right? one guy that's well-liked that people feel good that can make plays comes back all of a sudden everybody feels better everybody focuses a little bit more everybody doesn't press as much and the next thing you know the three yard run is going eight the eight yard run is going 28 you're hitting a big play downfield so I mean maybe I'm just looking at maroon glasses but I think him coming back regardless on the field will be a little spark to this team if this is the
0: weekend which I hope it's the weekend It'll help it. Like I said, I think it's it's one of those little things where, you know, things he can give you is, you know, now a one or two yard gain becomes a five or six yard gain. Um now you're not behind the sticks. Now you're able to 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 do a little bit more uh with your offense the way you want to, more consistently. Um so I don't think I don't think it's gonna be a big boost, but I think it'll be it'll help you in little ways that might add up to big ways, right? Um so we'll we'll see. Um, I, I'm, you know, a lot of this is going to depend on his his conditioning level. Is he, is he going to be more of a, at least this week, just a a three to five series, type type situation, or is it going to be something where, you know, we go ahead and give him kind of, two second man carries week one. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, but if I'm I'm hoping he's able to go and at least give us a little something this week. Absolutely. All right, Brian. Well it's time.
1: Let's get our game predictions in here. You led last week, I'll lead this week. Um I'm still not feeling great about the team. I'm still it's it's still tough for me to put a win on the books until we see some fundamental changes and you know things going in the right direction. Do I think this is a better battle than it was last week? Yeah, even though Pitt coming off a loss to Georgia Tech that it's inexplicable. I, I think the familiarity with Pitt from Brent Pry playing him four times, a lot of, you know, folks on the staff playing Pitt the last few years. I think it's gonna be a better game than last week. I can't I can't put us taking the win. I think we lose somewhere like thirty to twenty. I think it's a ten point game. I think it's a fight. Um I think mean, it's a fight all the way. I just think they get a little bit of a head in the, uh, you know, the early third quarter where they keep us at bay, where again, we don't have that capability to make a couple big plays. What about you?
0: Um, I'm, I'm in the similar area. I've got us going 27, uh, 16 as okay. the final. Um, I think we do a little bit better at moving the ball consistently to get it into the scoring range, but I think we still struggle to to kind of get it over the goal line like we like we've been struggling recently. I think we get it in the scoring area, but we come away with three a little bit more often than we than we want to um but we put together a few more drives that get us some points this week than we've seen the last few weeks so uh I think it's gonna be like i said twenty seven sixteen um Pitt does just enough offensively against our defense to to kind of put them over the top there at the end. Yep, and we're hoping we're wrong, completely wrong. Always is what our hope
1: is before the end of it. All right, Brian. Uh, big screeners, great, great call last week on the Ole Miss game. Got yeah. both. If, if uh, I'm not sure if you if you went to like FanDuel or something and laid that, I'm laying money line and I'm laying the spread. I wish I, I
0: like would you. have, man. <laughs> You nailed it. I would have been sweating the whole way, though.
1: I would you have been would sweating have. the
0: whole damn you way. Would
1: have been sweating the whole way. <laughs> um, my game last week, I was one one that, that turnover deep is what got me. It's a ten point game. Probably should have been a seven right into number for a push, but it is what it is. What's your big screen this week? Obviously, this weekend is going to be a beautiful weekend to not sit inside. So, which one are you kind of saying? Eh, we'll go out and do things here.
0: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw that, uh, that Kansas TCU on my big screen this week, buddy. All right. Uh, that That's, that's an intriguing matchup because you got TCU. Um, Sonny Dykes has them rolling early. Absolutely. Rolling <laughs> offensively, um, you know, but then you got Kansas that that's really kind of turned it, turned it around um, after, you know, some, some real bad years for them. So, um, you know, we'll see if Kansas has the uh, the ability to take that next step and beat a team that that has put some good football out there uh, in recent years. So, I like that matchup. It's a little bit of a of a different look, I think. So, I uh, usually don't see TCU and Kansas in a in a, in a prime prime matchup game. So now you know, high games. nooner going to be a high nooner. Game day is going to be
1: there, and now it's like only five division are five power five schools that have never gotten a visit. U V A is included in one of those. Yes they uh, are. Kansas Kansas uh knocks it off. Um I like that game. I'm probably not gonna see any of that game due to uh sports. But I'm waiting until the evening. And there's a lot of ranked matchups this week. I mean you've got that game. You've got Tennessee L S U, which is a noon game. You've got U T Utah U C L A, you've got Auburn, yeah. Georgia, you know the oldest rivalry in the Deep South, um, but, you know, essentially a with BYU, Notre Dame. But I'm, I've got my hides going around, and I want to know if USC's a real deal. And I think they're going to get a challenge this week with Wazoo coming into town to the Coliseum, 730, so I will be able to watch it. <laughs> That's also something that determines my big screener, if I can be in front of the television to watch it. And that line right now um, is thirteen points. Wazoo's lost one game where Oregon scored twenty-nine points in fourteen minutes and fifty seconds. They should be five and because Oregon pulled one out of the earth on that one. Yep. Um. But I think this is a real test for USC. You have a you have a balanced Washington State team. I mean, their defense, with the exception of that quarter, has played very well. They've won in a tough environment. Um, so that's the one I'm going to be watching. Um, who do you think in your game? You go in Kansas, or you think TCU takes it? Uh,
0: I feel like TCU has the, the, the better end of the talent, although I feel like Kansas has just been playing with, with, with a little extra spark, so... I've been leaning back and forth. Uh, You know, the, the frogs are, are the favorite here by six points. Um, I'm going to go what I did last week. I'm going to take Kansas and the points, but I think TCU wins
1: outright. All right. All right. High scoring game. We're in the thirties or forties. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
0: The, whatever the over, the over, over is, is hammer it <laughs> 67
1: and a half um in my game I'm going to take USC the lines 13 I don't think they can cover that um but I do think USC does get it done as much as I liked Wazoo and they kind of had a that one sucky loss I think I think USC is you know going to get it done I, but it's going to be a lot closer than 13 points in my opinion Brian, has anything broken in the last uh, little while here?
0: No, I think we're good, man.
1: All righty. Well, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson.
0: I'm Brian Siegler.
1: Visit our website, boundarycornerbt.com, to listen to all of our episodes. While you are there, do not forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube account. Thank you all for watching on YouTube. We have hit 200 the last few weeks of these episodes. We really appreciate that. Your favorite podcast source, Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. We always let our buddy Jason Long, he plays us in, he plays us out. And on Saturday from 10 to 3, he is going to be at the Raleigh Court Blocktoberfest. Um, So check him out there. Also, check his website out, jasonlongmusic.com, where you can link to all of his music on Apple, Spotify, his YouTube, and his Facebook pages. We thank you for listening, and as always, let's go!
0: Hokies!